Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You can't win anything with kids. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. How much are the players looking forward to Arsene Wenger arriving? <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Phoenix Five. On this week's show, we'll be mainly talking about one of the best World Cups, France 98. Owen's wonder goal, Beckham's red. What a great goal that was from Burkamp. Oh, Lift off for France! Jokaya. Zidane! Lightning has struck twice. Two corners, two Zidane headers, double trouble for Brazil. So, so this week we're talking about France 98. Um, and we're going to start a little bit with, with you, Miller, in terms of the build-up to France 98. Things like you said, Le, Le, Le Tournois. Uh, so what do you think in terms of the way that England was and the whole tournament was built up? Yeah, I thought the tournament was built up probably the best. That's why I wanted to talk about this tournament instead of any of the others in the 90s. Because off the back of 96, how close we got and how much the country actually got behind the team, the excitement going into it with the the mix of the 96 squad coming in with the younger generation that was just coming in. So going into the tournoi against some good teams and winning that tournament and just scraping into the actual World Cup, it put a lot of excitement into the squad especially with Hoddle being a young manager tactically he's probably the best manager that we've had for the last 30 years so yeah going into do you think Hoddle should have the tournament do you think Hoddle should have got the job based on his age the experience of club level age wise I think if they stayed with him and the so-called golden generation that come off the back of the 98 squad going into the noughties I think he would definitely have won something. Graham, what do, you think? do you think Hoddle came in a bit too soon or went too early? Yeah. To be honest, who else was around at that time? I can't remember who else would have been available for the job at the time. Well, who, I, tried looking up. I, I tried looking it up and I couldn't find anyone that, that, that stuck out. I think Keegan was mentioned at the Why time. did Venables go? Why did he... Did he well, get sacked? Yeah, yeah. But it's, no, it was the court him. cases. Yeah, those are court cases coming up against him. Obviously, old dodgy tail and all this other stuff. Like, it was agreed during before '96 that he would stand down after '96 tournament. Um, so that's why he he moved on. Do you think he would have got further or won the tournament if Venables had stayed in charge? 
do you think that 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 that, that inexperienced if, Huddle was partly involved in us not winning it? So that's the balance where Huddle let himself down was the man management side where Venables had man management. He let the guys just go and ex- express themselves, but also let them be adults off the pitch. I think that's why he got the best out of the senior players in '96. Holland, what when do you he- think about Huddle? I don't know whether Hoddle's methods were a bit, bit too, uh, soon for his time. You know, bringing this Eileen Jury and getting them all to meditate and all this other shit. I don't know. I don't know if the players are ready for that. Did they revolt against it? I don't know. But, do, uh, but they've, gone, they've, got, they've gone from being lads a couple of years before. That, you know, in Euro 96 when they're doing all the drinking games and all that sort of stuff. Well, I, I think what, like what Adam says, uh, I think going, on, going back to Hoddle, right, he did think that he was better than half the players that were even selected. Yeah, that's what I think. But uh, when you're on a training ground and the manager's pretty much saying, get out of the way and let me do it, it's going to put a spin, a downer on the team and as you are as a performer. Well, well it was said, I think it was quoted or, or, or is well known, that he used to take the uh, set pieces in training. So corners, yeah. Ottawa would knock the balls in. You've got Beckham in the squad. You've got, um, who else in the squad at the time? Beckham for set pieces. Well, Anderton. And you've yeah. got Glenn Hoddle at 47. Well, hold on, I'll, I'll take the crosses and I'll knock him in for Shearer to better the back of the net. I think playing 3-5-2 was revolutionary for England at the time when we was very much playing just 4-4-2s. So, yeah, 3-5-2 at the time. England were used to playing 4-4-2 generally. That was the system we played, which was seen as a very English thing at the time. And other countries starting tactically to change their their systems. I think Hoddle was... was well ahead of his time in terms of for England and the in the system he played. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't know that. It, I don't. I think it, dropping Gaza might have been a good, right, right thing to do. I know we we live off the fact that Gaza was great, but you got to remember that was eight years after he was at Ital- uh, he was at Italia ninety. He could nowhere have been that same player. Would he ever had the same effect of that World Cup? It might, have, it might, he might have ended up being a complete flop at that World Cup. Just he would know. have been a sub. He would have been an impact player at that tournament. He would not have been a starter. So. By having him on the bench, the media would have jumped all over him. Well, Miller, go back to about the tournoi. I mean, let's talk a bit about that—the pre, the, the build-up and the and what the the expectations were because of that tournament. Because as you said, we, we haven't seen a build-up to a World Cup like that since or before. Not a like a pre-warm-up tournament with that quality of team in it before World Cup. It's not happened since then at that level of team. Like Brazil, Italy, France and England all together, basically having a warm-up tournament. The quality of player that's on show there just for that little mini tournament and for England to come out of it as winners, I know it, it doesn't really mean nothing, but it lifted the confidence of the squad as well as the nation's hopes going into the tournament. Oh, I can't really remember too much about the, the tournoi. I remember just watching the highlights. It was all about the Roberto Carlos goal, wasn't it, really? When you think back to it, you don't think about England playing Italy or anybody else playing anyone else. You think about that goal. So, But yeah, Miller's right as I say, that, you know, when you see England winning a tournament, even though it is a, you know, it's not, it's not a major tournament, you do get sort of, oh, well, we've done well here. If we can beat Brazil, if we can beat France, etc., we can do well at France 98. So I'll get where he's coming from there. So yeah, it was you know there, there was there was positives going into that World Cup. I think we had a decent squad. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get onto the squad selection soon because I've got um, one or two maybe that maybe you should. Maybe we'll go on to no, it. No, I see where he's going with well, it. Yeah, let's let's go on. Let's go on. Pardon. To Perfect time. Go on to it. Yeah. Well, I was um, looking back at the squad. He's got a pretty good squad there. I think um, I'm not going to reel off all the names. There's not a lot of pace in there. But one thing I've got a problem with. Um, 
Paul Merson's in the squad. Now, looking back, he was the top goal scorer the season, that season going into the World Cup. He had 16 goals, but it was at Middlesbrough in the Championship. Um, we, got, we mentioned Dion Dublin last week, and he was top heavy about being underrated. He was always uh, in the, the goal scoring charts. That same season, he finished top goal scorer in the Premier League. Left out. You've also got the likes of Andy Cole, Collymore, Fowler, Sutton. Surely they all weren't injured at that time. Ian Wright, another one. I just, what do you think, lads? Why Ian Wright was in the squad. Ian Wright was in the squad. He had to drop out. He got injured. Okay, then. Uh, so then we've got Sutton, Cole, um, Fowler and Collymore. Where, where's, where's the Merson thing come from? I've, I don't remember anything being, a bit, being controversial, but when you look back now, how did he make the squad? Mm. Do you know, do you know who in that squad who I, I looked at as well? I didn't rate. I don't know why. I know you might shoot me down, but I didn't rate at all. Darren Anderson. For me, I don't feel like. I don't think he done anything great. Good against Colombia. Don't get me wrong. I, his goal against Colombia was good, but I, I know he was injured a lot. His sick note and all that sort of stuff. But for me, I don't. I don't. I don't see it with him. I do not see no, it. But with he him. was disciplined. The formation that he was playing. He was playing wingbacks. He was disciplined. I'm, he sorry, had legs up and down. I have to disagree with that. I don't know if you boys remember. I don't remember Darren Anderton actually playing a lot of club football. I don't remember him playing a full season for Spurs. But what I do remember of him was play, being a regular under Venables and Hoddle and putting a shift in. Right. I, I, don't, I, last, I didn't normally disagree with Holland, but I, think I have to disagree there. I thought Anderton put a shift in when he played for England. I'm just going to come back to the, what you said about Merson, Graham. Um, yeah. Forwards-wise, he took Owen, he took Ferdinand, yeah. he took Kira, and he took Sheringham. Owen was was relatively still fresh to the scene and a bit of a young, you know, we'll chuck him in. I think Owen took the place of the more experienced striker at the time because I think you're bringing in Andy Cole who has never done it at international level, really never got a chance, but he never really did it. And I think with the Anderton point, I think every manager has certain players that are their go-to players. And I think Anderton under Venables and under uh, Hoddle was just one of them players that you knew he was, as I think Miller said, disciplined, would, would do his job, work hard. So I, I don't know. Yeah, but do, but do nothing fantastic. You know, 11 players can't do something fantastic. You, you have players in there that put in a shift. Yeah, no, I but I think, yeah. I, I, yeah, no, know. I, know you need, I know you need I know you need a mix and blend of it, of it all for it to work as a team. I understand that. So, Graham, back to the squad then. Um, the, the Merson thing you were saying about. So, so you, yeah. at, at the same time uh, in the squad, obviously, at uh, Borough, Gaza was at Borough. Um, but he was play, you, you said yourself, you're playing championship football or equivalent of uh, when he got called up to the England squad. Mm-hmm. So are you are you basing yeah. the fact that oh he got called up but he was in the championship? Is that the, the the issue you've got with it, or that he was called up ahead of somebody else? I haven't got an issue with the Gaza thing. I think as Miller said, I think he was bang on about he was, he would have been an impact player. Um with Gaza, it's it's a fitness thing for me with Gaza. It, obviously he's naturally gifted, whether he's in the championship or not. I sound like a hypocrite there with the Merson thing, but yeah. um for an example I could make, if you're taking Merson as a striker or even a midfielder in this day and age in the championship, to me that's that's the relevance of taking Troy Deeney instead of Danny Ings because Dublin was in form. I just can't see where, where Merson fits in. And if, like Miller said, oh, he might have been a centre mid. Well, we had Nicky Butt and Lee Bowyer on fire that season. Well, how, do they, how does he get above him? I know he can't go back in the past, but I wouldn't, player, I wouldn't have, personally, yeah, but personally, I wouldn't have taken Merson and I wouldn't have taken Rob Lee. Yeah, that's a waste, Rob Lee. You know, I can't understand. Definitely. With the Gaza parallel with, with Ali McCoy, so we said, let's, let's just move on to Scotland just, just for a little bit. It was the last tournament, they major tournament they've been in was fast night until it was supposed to be Euro 2020. So they've had a, a you know a long tough period in that era in the in the 90s. So what do you think in terms of Scotland's 
build up and the chances they had at the tournament? How do you think they underperformed, overperformed, or performed as expected? Well, they performed as expected. No one's expecting them to do anything, are they? But in the opening game, they, I thought they, they were bloody unlucky. They scored an own goal to lose 2-1. And I think that took the wind out of their sails because they'd done so well against Brazil, nearly held them to a draw, which is more or less a win for them. So, uh, do you know what? Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, when they're, uh, they're good, the home nations are good when they're at their tournament because of the fans and that, they get, you know, that go with them and everything else. And they're not expected to be just happy to be there. Uh, yeah, and he, um, as Paul was on about Ali McCoy, Dave, what was the issue? He took Darren Jackson over Ali McCoy. What's all that Yeah, about? Darren Jackson was doing well at Celtic at the time, I think. And I think towards that, they were swinging that uh, Ali McCoy was coming towards the end. But he okay. was proven. He was proven when he had Ali McCoy. Weren't their squad, sorry, Paul, weren't their squad average age 30 or 31? They're a very old squad I read the other day. Yeah, it was 31 to the average age. Very yeah. old, didn't they? Well, the oldest in the tournament, I think it was at yeah. the time. I, sorry, I expect them to beat Morocco, to be fair, after the way they played against Brazil. And they got tonked, didn't they, 3-0? Yeah. But going back to the Gaza thing, let's just, we'll, we'll, we'll put a line under this in a second. But so, what's it, have a, a little vote. Should Gaza have gone to the World Cup? Yes or no? Uh, Harper? Yes, for me. Miller? No. Holland? I'm comfortable with him not going. Graham? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chicken out. I'm going to have to be on the fence um, because Miller's made some good points about being an impact player and the media getting on your back about not being played. Um, he was playing in the championship as well. Um, I, I really don't know. I, you know what? I don't care either, to be honest. I don't think it would have made a massive difference. So, no. Come see, come sir, as it's France 98. Don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It would have been. An, I think he made the right call. I think he was trying to get something different out of the squad. He was trying to make it less about one individual um, and trying to to change the way we played slightly. I also think Gascoigne came out later in his autobiography and he said um, he had a situation with his wife at the time and he gave Hoddle a lot of credit. And he said, even though I had my rows with him, he probably made the right decision of not making me go to France 98. You know, that's from Gazza himself. Yeah, tournament for me, it was just exciting. The quality of team and... Again, like the England squad, it had the balance of experienced, top-named professionals in the team with the young, exciting, new breed coming through. So like Brazil, Holland, France, Italy, you had some top, top names in those squads. All those four teams that you just named there, I think... That they were quality, they were quality teams. Like if in this day and age now, those four teams are nowhere near like as good as what those four teams you just named there. I, I, yeah, I was I was just about to say that I totally agree with that. What, what, you, what Harper's just said then. When you look back at the squads in '98, you I don't, there's not another World Cup where it matches how good them squads were. I don't care what anyone says. For but player the player, the the team, that's the best. That is the best World Cup. I'm sorry, since I can remember. I looked well, at the Norway team. Even that was pretty yeah. solid. Flow up front with. Um, there is free flows. There is free, wasn't there? There was Tor Andre, Justine, and Harvard. There's free the fuckers. Well, you look at the um, the Italy squad. You had Maldini, Cannavaro, Nesta, Costa Nesta. Del Piero, Baggio. <laughs> it's just Vieri, like top goal scorer in the tournament. I know. So cool, I mean, what? I mean, stuff. And in the France squad, obviously Blanc, Djurkaev, uh, Henri, Perez, Zidane, uh, yeah, Carapu, Petit. Petit. I mean, good God. And this is the thing. You compare the, the squads to the England squad. The England squad was good, but it weren't that good, really, in terms no, of... Don't even I think... Spain. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You don't even mention Spain, and that's, that's, that's how good those teams were. Yeah. Like Spain weren't the, the top, top 
team no, that they no were way. a couple of years no afterwards. Way. They didn't get out of their group. No. No. I mean, that's they didn't evolve until 2010, mate. Yeah. On paper, you can say, oh, the England team weren't as good. But the starting 11, or to say the starting 11 with a couple of subs in the England squad would give every single one of these that we've just mentioned a good game. Look at the Argentinian squad that we actually went out with, with 10 men for what, an hour plus the stoppage time. Yeah. We held our own against them. We were very unlucky with the... Um, we, we should have, we should have beat them. We yeah. should have beaten even with 10 men. We should have yeah, beaten let's, hold off, hold off. let's just hold off on that in a minute. Let's let's go back to, to the beginning. So the first group game for England was against Tunisia. Um, and I remember obviously with the Phoenix Fives. Does everyone, everyone remember where they watched that game? We were at school, were we? And I remember us all sitting down watching it at the, in the tech block. Um, and then obviously the first opening game was a 2-0 win against Tunisia with Shearer and my man Paul Scholes bagging the oh, winning goals. Yeah, so Talk about that that game. Anyone remember? I mean, I, I remember. I wasn't. I didn't watch it in the tech block. I remember Miss um, Murphy was our teacher. Um, I be- remember begging my mum to give me a note to go into to school because I wanted to come home. And she caved in eventually. Said it was a dentist appointment. And then I remember getting that look off Miss Murphy as to say, "I know you're not going to the dentist, but I can't prove it." No, the old eye. <laughs> she must have. She must have taken one look at your teeth and realised you definitely don't go dentist. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do remember, yeah, I remember watching that game at home. I nicked the can of lager at my dad's mm-hmm. fridge. And I remember Skull should have had a hat trick in the first half. Yeah. Um, they, didn't, they didn't really cause a threat to Nigeria, to be honest. Um, they, they had a couple of half chances. England were very dominant. I don't think there was a huge amount to say about the game. I think we won it fair and square. Not an issue hey, at all. The second game, we go on to Romania. And this is for me where the problems start. You know, we talk about this, this the pressure cooker building up. Romania were a decent team at the time. But we shouldn't be losing to Romania. Let's be realistic. Why? Why? Well, I think that the quality <laughs> of the squad. Were, 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 no, no, seriously, why? No, I think that they, the, quali- the qual- they qualified from 1990. They qualified um, uh, 1994. They qualified fair and square, got to the quarters. England weren't good enough to qualify. Euro 96 qualified. England didn't have to qualify because they were hosts. Qualified for Euro 98. I don't, yeah, I, if you're going to go and win a World Cup or a Euro- European trophy or anything, you, you, you're not going to be losing to Romania. Realistically, why? Yeah, but why? Give me an example. Why? Well, why would well, you? Romania, a solid side. Yeah, but technically, we're better. We're a better team. Well, we weren't mm. that daily. No, well, exactly. Well, they started in the 2000 as well, didn't they? Yeah. 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 So why, I don't, I don't get one. the they should be beating <laughs> Romania thing. I don't. I, I think. I think you. You're, right, going, I, you're I, going on player for player, not the way that Romania plays a, a team. That's what I think mm. you're basing it on. You're basing it on player. What's for the player. furthest Romania you've got in a tournament, Dave? What's that got to do with it? Well, because if you're going to go, no, and... you're going, you're, no, you're, yeah, but you're going to say to me, yeah, but England won it in '66. That's what you're going to come back with. <laughs> no. you're, so you're laughing because I know it's coming. That's irrelevant in 1998. But carry on going. No, I just disagree with no, you. Right, yeah, you know what? You know what? You know what? You know what it is though. What what Paul's just done there is probably what the England team done when they were facing Romania. Oh, it's just Romania. You know what I mean? We would turn them over, and they got the surprise of their lives, and then then went into the third game needed a win. So he's probably, they've probably been. That's what that was the whole point with the problem with England. We, we just we just took it on ourselves to think we just we just have to turn up and win because we're England and we found out many times that it ain't the case. But you know what it's like in group stage in these tournaments. You've got to win the first one; it sets you up. And then the second game, he's thinking, "All right, we're going to nick a draw here." And then they've done us in the last minute. 
If we would have got that draw, we're through, guaranteed through. Yeah, and we without the pressure. So it affects it affects how you how you set your team up. You want to get the points to get out of the group. But to be honest, to be honest, I think Croatia as a team over the years of an underrated team that people don't just they and they are, get yeah. far in tournaments. I wouldn't want to go. I would have been iffy about getting Croatia. Do you know what I that mean? Was, uh, well yeah, that, that was their first tournament. Well in most tournaments. That was their first World Cup. Yeah. Well, they they didn't overachieve. They 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 they. No, they surprised people, but they had a fantastic tournament themselves. Um, but the Romania game, I went back and watched the game last week. And I've got to say, we, we were poorish in it. We wasn't appalling. We had moments, but both of their goals were mistakes from the back line. Adams and the Sora fought for two of the goals. So, You're underrated left back, wasn't it, Paul? Well, there you go, underrated, isn't he? As I told you. Yeah. Well, Bruce was playing. We might have not had a different, uh, different result there, but... I think, you know, so we made two big mistakes in the game and it cost us. Um, well, the first goal, sorry, Paul, the first goal was Hadji lobbed it over Campbell's head, didn't he? Moldavans, he got on his chest and banged it in. Yeah. And the second goal, I don't know what Lissau was doing. He let Dan Dan, Miller's boy, Dan Dan fucking mugged him off, didn't he? Put it through Seaman's legs. Yeah. So the Good second goal was though, more of a mistake than the first. But I think Campbell's team has got Hadji in it. He's dangerous, boy. Well, do you want to just say what you're wearing at the moment? Just so everyone knows why you're so defensive. Romania shirt. Because anybody listening... I've been a massive um, collector of football shirts since I was like the age of 14. So I've got Germany shirts. I've got Argentina shirts. Just because I'm wearing a Romania shirt and I'm waxing lyrical about them doesn't mean that I support them. Okay? Just to get that out there. But I am wearing a Romania shirt. I was just going to say, when Paul said what you're wearing, if you was going to say nothing, I was going to say, yeah, if the kids are listening, we're not really into that sort of thing either. I was about to drop and my dad's in the Okay, so then obviously we had it as England always do to make it half of themselves, and it was Colombia, which I thought should have been a harder game than it was. I think Colombia have always been a quite fit and powerful team, but we kind of not brushed them aside. But I think we <coughs> we did a job. We, we turned up, did the job, and, and, and got over the line. Beckham strikes. So is that where inexperience comes from the Romania game? Was Hoddle the one almost going like, it's Romania? We, you know, we'll go out there, we'll get the free. As I said, I think he was thinking, let's stay solid and don't lose the game. That's what, I, make sure we get a point. Dangerous. Yeah, dangerous. dangerous. I think that's how he set up to make sure we got a point. And well, go, we'll go, going into the Colombia game already through. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you don't really want, you don't really want that hanging over your head going into the last game because anything can happen. We got out of the group stage. We've done the, the so-called hard work and then we get drawn with Argentina. <laughs> Batty goal. <laughs> <laughs> so we played well against Tunisia, didn't we? Not really much of a challenge. Slipped up against Romania, comfortable against Colombia. Now it's time for the big boys. Um, I thought we had a chance. Um, where do you want to start? Where, where, where are we going with it? The goals or the controversy or what? Well, the first half... Uh, the build-up as well, the build-up before yeah. it. Obviously with the nations, with the, the Falklands... The hand of God and stuff like that. It history. put extra pressure. History, yeah. It put extra yeah. pressure onto the the match. A little bit more spice. There's two, two teams yeah, that early level. in it. Yeah, there's two teams you play, which it becomes personal, which is Germany and Argentina. The first half is I've watched it about the whole game, and the first 45 minutes is one of the best 45 minutes of football in a game I've ever seen. Absolutely everything. Well, just uh, going back, we we're talking about the game. Their second goal, by the way, quality. I feel I feel that Michael Owen, I don't feel an English player has burst onto the scene like, and made an impact ever as Michael Owen did in that game or that tournament. Yeah, Rooney, yeah, Rooney, Rooney in 2004 was quality, but we'd already known about Rooney. He was already doing well. 
Like, and so was Owen to an extent, but like, just to put his name out there, Owen, when he made that run and scored that goal, mm. I don't think there's been an Englishman, like English player that's ever made an impact like that. Edgy seat stuff, that goal, wasn't it? It really was. Yeah. And Lopez almost getting away with it, but Ince spotted that danger in a flash and finds Beckham. Beckham now to Owen, and here's another Owen run. He's going to worry them again. It's a great run by Michael Owen, and he might finish it off. Oh, it's a wonderful goal! Well, let's start with the first first five minutes. So you're going against Argentina. What's Hoddle saying to the team, obviously? Keep it tight, you know, ease yourself into the game. And within five minutes, we give away an absolute shocking penalty. Um, and it was nearly saved as well, the penalty. It, it, was, a, it was a good penalty, but Seaman got a hand to it. Um, he saved it. He should have saved it, but I think the power behind it just it was just too much. But obviously, yeah. three minutes later, what happens? We go up the other end, we get a penalty. So, you know, already we're, we're 10 minutes in, we've had two penalties and, and the tackles are flying in. Yeah, so for, for me, I was actually in France at the time watching the game. With uh, I was mixed with German and Polish kids in a type of camp thing. So... Is it band camp? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Had a flute up me. This one time, a band camp. <laughs> a flute up me. <laughs> no, it's with the old rubbish club. So listen, just going. Sorry, just going back to um, Michael Owen. Do you think that Hoddle made the right call starting him? And because imagine that coming off the bench. Yeah. Yeah, but he he, he done it from the beginning of the game. He 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 was he scared him from minute the one. The impact that he had in the. Colombia game and when he come on a sub previously and Romania he scored one he yeah, hit the post at the end yeah, yeah. so his impact he deserved to be a starter just from his impact and his confidence yeah he gave him one chance on goal and he's scoring he had no fear he had no fear he just went into that tournament with no fear and it showed mm. yeah, yeah. but the the feistiness of the game the, the naughty tackles and stuff like that so Simeone very clever experienced player very clever in what he done with Beckham Brian it could be a red card that's what that's what Alan Shearer is worried about what for Beckham yes because he retaliated and it's a yellow card wait a minute he's taking another card out for Beckham it's a red card for David Beckham oh no it's a red card in my eyes I was thinking that the other day it was a red card in any day and age, it's a red card he kicked out. As, yeah. as horrible as it was, and Simeone played on it, which is 10 times worse now, but it was a red. As much as it was horrible for us as England yeah. fans, it was. Agreed. I, I think, yeah, definitely. You're, like, you're shaking your head. What, what, what? Um, it's not red for me. Why not? Just because he's your heart not exactly in your head. Him. No, it's not. He's not exactly kicked him. He's lifted his leg up. He's not kicked him. He has kicked him. He's not. He's lifted his leg up. He's not stood up and volleyed the fellow, is he? He's yeah, laying he's on the floor and lifted his leg up. He's kicked him. He's kicked out, Miller. He's yeah, kicked he's out. Kicked okay, Something you used to do every Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> That's why he's not having it. Graham? Miller used to love all that little caper. It, you know what I mean? A little pinch under the arm when he's picking you up and all this crap. Yeah, it's a yellow red, max. Red card, no red card. Right, I thought it was going to be controversial, but Lee and Dave have sort of stole me thunder. Um, what, what he'd done was... He did flick out. I mean, he didn't just lift his leg. He did flick out. He retaliated. So it looks a bit harsh, but I didn't know this until I'd done a bit of research. Apparently, all 32 nations were briefed before the start of the tournament. Any form of retaliation, you will be sent off. And I didn't realise there was 22 or 23 red cards. And when you look back, you see Ortega headbutted Evander Sarr. Gone straight away. Um, Zidane stamped on a Saudi Arabian player. Gone straight away. 
Um, Blanc put his, his hand in Bilic's face, gone straight away. So Beckham, I know it's a heat at the moment, but he, he was told, he was warned. The whole players were warned. So I, like David Lee said, he was, yeah, he knew what he was doing. It's silly, silly mistake. But yeah, it was a red card. I think, I think the, the, reaction, law. the reaction to his sending off though was a joke. Like burning effigies of him and all oh, this yeah. stuff. Come on. Yeah, that that that's that's bad. That's no need for that. But I, yeah, we're talking about the actual game, the incident itself. Then, yeah, it probably in the eyes of the law, he has to go. But for the team, ten of them to come together and stay as tight and compact and keep going all the way through the game, you've got to give it to the rest of the players on the. Pitch. I thought I thought they played well with ten men, really well. They still, probably they played still better. Gave the the game. Yeah, and, and they, were undone, they were undone. The they were undone by a little bit for. Argentina's second goal by a well-worked free kick. Did you have you seen it? Oh yeah, it's brilliant. Oh my god! Gun, didn't it? Like, it wouldn't matter how many players you had on the pitch. It was just well-worked. It was just one of the ones that just caught them out, and it was a great goal. Yeah, yeah. But you you go from that to the last minutes. Was it in stoppage time or last minute of the nineties with um, Sol yeah. Campbell? Yeah, it was like ninetieth minute. Is is the screen? Yeah, it was late on, wasn't it? Yeah, how that's that not a goal? No, I know. That was another thing at this tournament. It was golden goal, wasn't it? It was golden goal in extra time. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a sickness if you get it done in golden goal. And it would have been nice for us if Sol Campbell would have done it. It would have been amazing. You know who scored the first golden goal, lads? Oh, uh, good question. Blanc. <laughs> yeah, correct. To disallow goals, I meant. Because I think, because if, if, it, if, it, if it, the roles are reversed... If, if Bat Stewart would have done that to Seaman, we'd all be screaming, yeah, but he elbowed him in the face. He elbowed him in the uh, face. It wasn't an elbow. It was not an elbow. It was You've not watched it then. You've not watched it. What was it? It's soft. soft. It's soft, no, though, Graham. No, no, come no. on. That is soft. A goalkeeper's got to come out and be a bit more demanding than that. We'd be saying the same thing about Seaman. How many times he's been done as a goalkeeper? I feel as an English fan that if it was the other way around, it would have been given. That's the difference. Yeah, it was the other way around. Been, that would have been the heartbreaking thing for us because that's what happens as English fans. Them sort of things get given against us, but when it's the other way around, they ruled out. But we should have had a penalty. Do you remember the Ayala handball? He went yeah. up with Shearer, and his yeah. hand mm. was definitely in an unnatural position, and uh, obviously but touched the ball. That should have been a penalty. Yeah, but, I, but the goal was disallowed, and I think it should have been. Yeah. Oh, but what, what do you think? The Campbell goal should have been given. Yep, yeah, I do think it should have been given. Um, for me, Shearer doesn't do enough to warrant a free kick. But so yeah, I do think it. But I was going to mention Sol Campbell because I think he was probably the best defender we had by a country mile. Even though we obviously were out in the second round. Yeah, he yeah he was immense. Um, and uh, because Butterstewart didn't get a sniff, really, he was just he just had him in his pocket. He was so solid. He won everything in the air on the ground. He's reading the game brilliantly, and he just and he took the ball out. He, he wasn't just smashing the ball. He's then. very good on the ball. He's very yeah. good on the ball. That's like he won the one. I think it was against Colombia. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, we we go down to penalties, and then what you're thinking there is you're thinking that's it, game over. Um, but the penalty takers. <laughs> How well, that? I wasn't, I wasn't thinking game over when Crespo missed. Yeah, good point. I was thinking game on, but this is another thing. We are going to all mention David Batty, but Ince missed as well. Yeah. yeah but you know, another thing as well, but you know, not everyone's put their hand up to take a penalty. So people that didn't have the bollocks to do it need to focus, they need to take some, some grief as well. Because I, I don't, I don't, I reckon Batty and Ince were probably thinking, oh, they're the only ones that said we'll have one. There's no one else put their hand up. 
I well, think Ince was making up for '96. To be honest, he should have stood up in '96. Well, I was think I was I actually looked at the the team that we had on the pitch at the time, obviously because Beckham was sent off, so no doubt he would have took a penny. And I was thinking, who else? Who else could have took one? Like Merson took one, Shearer, Owen, Scholes. I think Scholes take. One. I think Scholes was off. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think he was on the pitch at the same at the time. So and I looked at it. Well, so basically, it was the defence really, because Batty and Ince both took one. Um, there wasn't really no one else. Like, well, you could have had Gary Neville, it Tony Adams, Gary Campbell. Neville. Gary Neville was oh. in the but but he had never taken a professional penalty before. It, it, no, he hadn't. You're right. I had, I did hear. Listen, sorry, I did hear. Please on about who was going to take one. If Batty would have scored, apparently the next penalty taker was going to be Gareth Southgate. Southgate. Do you think Southgate, because probably technically he's better than Batty. So do you think he didn't step up because of 96 in the back Ooh. of his head? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's a big you think the pressure after that happened. The... Well, but to be fair, what happened to Southgate was a liberty. He's on pizza right, adverts and everything after that, getting absolutely he ruined. He didn't have to sign up for them adverts, but he did. It's uh, yeah, but yeah, like I say, instant batty. I, I, they're probably pressurizing. There's no way that them two want to take penalty. They're not. Technically... He also came out and said in an interview on one of his rare interviews um, that he changed his mind midway. It, when he was walking up, he had a way he's going to put it, and then when he went to take the actual penalty, he changed his mind. And you can, if you watch it, he does. It looks like he hesitates. It, it what goes one way, and I think he, he changed his mind. He came out and said that. I think what one rule is as a penalty taker, as Miller and Harper, the pros would know. Is you don't change your mind. You, you once you make a decision, you stick with it. I'm not. I'm not backing Miller to take a penalty. He's very much like Ince. If he's stepping up the spot, I'm thinking he's missing. Harper, yeah, and you know what I mean. He might, he might tuck it. But Miller, I'm thinking, man, he's a defensive midfielder. Low it. Let's have a look at some of the other teams that were in the in the group at this stage. So Brazil had gone through um, after they beat Chile in the last sixteen, um, and then they went on to play, play Denmark. Uh, does it, did they? Oh, oh by, by the way, Chile, their team was unreal as well. You see that? You see that? And do you know Paraguay? Paraguay were good. Their team. If you think that, like you like, well, like said earlier on, the strength and depth in teams ain't the same now. Well, Paraguay only lost to France golden goal, I think. Well, okay, yeah. let's, let's let's go to France quickly. We'll go to Brazil in a second. We all say how great France were, which is obviously they won the tournament. So you can't argue, but they only beat Paraguay after the golden. I think you're right in extra time or golden goal. Um, then they drew with Italy and they went through on penalties and they scraped past Croatia. But we, I think people remember this France team as being this, this over-dominant, fantastic team that, that knocked everything on its way when actually it was Brazil that were doing all this. They was, they was steamrolling teams. Well, you've um, got to appreciate the pressure that they was on being the home nation. Yeah, but, and, and as well, Tim, as much as France were good and had a great team, they were playing against good teams as well. These, they're not playing against no mugs. You know, like, so they're not going to turn these teams over willy-nilly. Like, they're, they're, these Paraguays of the world, Croatia, they, they are good squads then. Well, Croatia beat Germany, to be fair, 3-0, which was, I think at the time was a, a, quite a shock. Graham, anything on, on, on that? Well, the Croatia side, you mentioned the Croatia side there. They had Suka, Jani, um, Boban, Prozinecki. Pretty, that's a pretty good forward line, to be fair, going forward. And Suka was top um, scorer. Suka was top scorer, yeah. Yeah. Um, with the, see, with, the, with the France thing, I get your point as well, Paul. I mean, it's a knockout tournament, isn't it? At the end of the day, um, you've got to take your chances. You don't have to be good. It's not like the league where you can drop a few points and, and just, you know, make up the points to win the league. Um, knockout tournament is completely different to, to league form. So, 
I get where you're, I get where you're going with them. They they didn't do really well. Didn't play really well. To be fair, you're probably right. I don't think they were the most exciting team in the tournament. Can anyone name uh, France's striker that pretty much played every single game ahead of Henri? Dugarry. Nope. Bezegay. Givarch. Yeah. Stefan Givarch. He played every game. Their squad, though, if you look at their squad, like some of the players didn't even play, like Perez and all that. They had some. They had some squad France. Well, well, that's why they didn't get on in the final either. Well, I think I think this squad was a prelude to the, the, the following year, uh, the following tournament. Yeah, the two You know, they, they, there was that, there's not a pass on the talks, of course not. But the, the next tournament is when Omri, as you said, Perez, and you know, other players starting to really step up. But they had this experience of winning, and winning breeds winning. That's the same as Spain later on when they went on and dominated for a period because you could bring players into winning formations and winning squads and you're into a system that knows how to play. But Brazil, let's talk about the Brazil, obviously, because I think going into it, they were firm favourites. Everyone thought with Brazil with Ronaldo and... Um, who was up front? Was it Rebe- uh, Ronaldo? Roberto. Roberto. They, 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 they had Roberto. some controversy with their, their uh, squad select. You know that we had Gaza and um, Scott said McCoy. They had Romario, wasn't it? Romario, Romario, yeah. didn't, Romario didn't get making it. It was a big thing for, for it then. Well, everyone thought He's a liability, mate. Well, Roberto was 34 at the time, and I think everyone was shocked that he, he was a starter for him. But obviously against the Dem, uh, against Denmark, it was Rivaldo and Bebeto, uh, Bebeto sorry, who, who who saw the team go through. Um, so he earned his place in it. But obviously Ronaldo was was different. Ronaldo gear. set two of those goals up, Paul, I think. I think he set yeah. Ronaldo and best. Bebeto up. He yes, played a bit of another 10 role against Denmark, mate. Yeah. And it was just phenomenal. So I think they were the best team in the tournament, Brazil, going into it. Um, the, the Denmark game was... I watched some of the highlights. It was it, I mean, Denmark was in the dark horses that... You don't ever think they're going to win a tournament, but they always seem to cause an upset or just difficult to beat. Really frustrating team. So. They had a good team, though, with the Loudrop brothers and Schmeichel in goal. You know what I mean? They had a good team. Yeah. No, they, no, they did. But I I don't. I think Brazil... Again, Graham, you said about it's a tournament at the end of the day. You've got to beat what's put in front of you. I think the Chile yeah. result... Was There's a- no second chance, is there? That's what I mean. There's no second chance. You can't draw. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've got to win, basically, to get through. Whereas in, in the league... You can afford to make a few draws and then you go on a winning streak. You know what you know what I'm saying, don't you? What about Holland? Harper? You, Holland had Argentina, obviously Argentina knocked us out. I think then it was the, the Dutch Masters against Argentina. And obviously everyone remembers the, the Burkamp goal. A sweltering evening in Marseille, where the temperature of the 1998 World Cup quarterfinal between Holland and Argentina was to be lifted still further by a stunning late winner. Long ball play towards Bergkamp. Bergkamp's come inside and Bergkamp has scored a sublime goal, a solid goal, but only he can score. What a great goal that was from Bergkamp. So, Lee, do you think we could have gone on to win the tournament? I think, realistically, I don't think we were... I think we're better than Argentina. I don't think we're better than Holland. I don't think we're better than France. I don't think we're better than... Croatia. Do you reckon we would have beat Croatia? Yeah, I think so. Personally, I do. I, th- I think we would have beat Croatia. Graham, would we, would we have got think, past Croatia? I think Lee summed it up beautiful, really well there. Um, I can't disagree with anything he said there. Um, it's the attacking force of Croatia. That's why they've done so well. You know, it's one of them, and it's an if button, maybe. You know, I don't think we were good enough to win it. I don't think we would have got past Holland, to be honest. But, um Okay, so let's just go. So then last, we've got Brazil beating Denmark 3-2, Netherlands uh, beating Argentina 2-1, Italy uh, went out into penalties against France and then Germany got a whooping by Croatia. So then you have Brazil versus Netherlands in the, the next round. 
uh, followed by France-Croatia. Both very tight games. I mean, World Cup generally, I think the excitement stops past the last 16 um, a lot of the time because everyone is at that stage where they don't want to make a mistake to put their team out. If you look at the history of quarters and semi-finals and finals generally, they, they can be a little bit bit boring because you don't want to get to that stage and then lose a game. But obviously Brazil got through the Netherlands on penalties. France squeezed past Croatia, setting up which was Brazil versus France. This had lots of controversy going into it, obviously. Let's talk about that. Anyone remember Holland? What, what do you remember about the final? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I've got a little stat for the Holland-Brazil game when the penalty shootout. Apparently there was a massive uproar uh, after the shootout. The attacking well, Hoidonk, Hoidonk, Hoidonk was on the pitch. Hoidonk was on there. Cliver... Yeah, there was questions as to why the defenders were taking penalties. I suppose it would be more I think technically, I think they're such good players generally from back to front. It probably at the time didn't feel like they needed to to have a forward taker. But you're right, mentality-wise, you think your strikers step up and put, put the goals in the back of the net for the big game. That's what they do for a living. They exactly. put the ball in the back yeah, of the net. That's what they do. We're expecting it to be tighter than what it was. But with yeah, Ronaldo being ill in the morning, then not being in the squad, being in the squad and all the uproar. Then in the moments before kickoff, all eyes strained to see what was written on a single sheet of paper. We've just had the surprise news, I suppose the shock news, that Ronaldo will not be in the Brazil 11 for tonight's match. Just have a look at this at home if you can see it. Um, that's the actual 11 here and you see that Edmundo is playing and Ronaldo's on the list as a substitute. I'd got the team sheet in the studio. It didn't have him on it and uh, Ronaldo on it and we couldn't believe it, you see. So we got on to Motti and said, what's going on here? Desmond, I've never had anything like this in my career. The, the scenes in the commentary boxes for the last 45 minutes have been absolute mayhem and chaos. There were journalists and commentators racing around trying to find out the truth behind it. I'm just going to interrupt you there because news has just come out that the biggest wind-up in World Cup football history has, has just hit the news because Ronaldo will play. There's been a big mistake in the team sheets. Suddenly there was a change. Another team sheet came and he was back on it. So there was a hiatus. It gave us a good story for a while. We were holding up team sheets in front of the camera and all that sort of stuff. I mean, the tournament, we've done the tournament. Let's say, you know, it was an Anthony Climax. As a tournament, I think that, that, that we all agree, squad depth for every team, more or less, the big teams, Croatia, Romania, Argentina, Paraguay, England, France, Italy, Spain, Germany, all had some of the strongest squads we've ever seen in terms of a name for name. You could name eight or nine players near enough from every squad. There was so much depth in these squads. For excitement, I think for England, it was it was one of the most exciting tournaments because we had, as Miller said, the tournoi built into it. The hype was behind it. It was, can we do it? You know, we got Hoddle, a young English manager who's really progressive. So I think we all agree as a tournament in the 90s, it was just spectacular. There's only a couple, obviously, in that period, but it was one of the best tournaments. But Look, for me, for me, it's the best World Cup of my lifetime, one I've enjoyed the most. It was, maybe it's first appearances for Croatia, Japan, South Africa. And I didn't know if anybody wanted to mention anything about uh, little old Jamaica, the big the, the route they come to get to the World Cup. Again, with Scotland and all these, and all the home nations, teams like Jamaica, the fans they bring, the, the liveliness that they bring, the fun they bring, they, they make the World Cup. Like, they yeah. need teams like that in it. So to have them in it was great. You know what I mean? Well, You're not expecting much see, from them. Yeah. yeah, of course it is. You're not expecting much from them, but they're great. it's great to have them there. They're yeah. the sort of teams you watch on, a, like, you know, where, like, if you're, at, I don't know what times, they're on mad times and stuff like that nowadays, you know, when they're in the career and all that sort of stuff. But they're the sort of games that are on just in the background you just hope that they win. They turn over a big team. You know what I mean? Mm. I know the majority of their fans were come from the UK, didn't they? I saw a documentary about it. 
Hey, do you remember um, Paraguay's goalkeeper? I teach take three kicks. Gilavert. Gilavert. Jose Gilavert, yeah. I think we've He's got like double figures, isn't he? He's well into double figures with his goals from free kicks and penalties. Okay, well done, guys. I think that's all we've got time for this week. I think let's move on to David Graham's quiz. It's going to be African players from the 90s. Okay. (laughs) Right, A. Okay. Right, I'm going to make, read out these four clues, Paul, and then see if you can guess who it is. Right, number one, I was born in Guinea. Number two, Liverpool paid Marseille 3.51 million to bring me to England in 1999. Clue three, I played and managed my national side. Clue four, I was transferred to West Ham after only one season at Anfield. Who am I? Do you want me to read any more of the clues? I think I know. I'm gonna. I'll chuck. I've got. A, I've got a couple of guesses I can chuck out of it. I can't think. All I can think is Bruno Sharu, but he's not African. No. Remember, it's African African players. Yeah. Uh, no. I don't know, Dave. I'm no okay. idea. All right. Anyone else? Kamara. Well done, Lee. Titi Kamara. I was born in South Africa. Second clue. I moved to Leeds United in 1994 with fellow compatriot Lucas Radibi. Clue three. I scored against England in a 2-1 defeat at Old Trafford in 1997. Clue four. I sadly passed away at the age of 49 in 2019. I think I said it last one. Clue four. I sadly passed away at the age of 49 in 2019. The only one I thought of when you said Leeds was Tony Yabar. No. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, here he is. Yep. Look. Phil Right, again, Lee. Yes, it was Phil Masinga. <laughs> Big Phil. <laughs> Lee's going to get all these right and get his own one wrong. Let's go next. Go on, I'll go. I am six foot, six inches tall. I won the Champions League in 1995 and the UEFA Cup in 1998. Clue three. I won the Premier League in 2002 and 2004. Clue four. Despite playing in three World Cups and six African Nations tournaments, I failed to score in any of them. Kanu. Well done, Dave. It was Nwanku Kanu. First clue. I was born in Liberia. I played up front with George Ware. Clue number three. I won the English double in 97-98 season. Clue number four. I was a refugee who fled to England as my country was in the middle of a civil war. What was the... I'm going to go for Christopher Ray. Well done. It was Christopher Ray. Oh. Still in it. <laughs> that was between Lee and Arthur still. Uh, Dave and Arthur, sorry. Okay. Right. Clue number one. My nickname was The Bull. Clue number two, I was the first player to score in the new format of the Champions League in 1992. Clue number three, Everton paid Club Bruges three million to bring me to England in 1994. Clue number four, I'm an FA Cup winner and an Olympic gold medalist in 1996 with my national side. Not as... Oh, boy. I'm trying to think of Everton players. Oh, that's a tough one, man. 
Oh, no, I'm going to have to tap out. No, sorry. One guess. One guess. Go on, then. I've got one guess. Go on, then. Are you gonna, not going to guess, Dave? No, I can't think of anyone, Graham. Okay. It's a great question, but I can't. Striker. Amakachi, is it? Yes, Daniel Amakachi. Oh, oh, shit, yeah. Amakachi. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, good question, Graham. Good question. But then you're still, it's still 1-1 one, one between you and Lee. So if he cocks this up, I get the last question, yeah, to, for the win. Yeah. Nice. I was a Ballon d'Or and FIFA World Player of the Year winner in 1995. My nickname was The King. I am currently the president of my country. I am hailed as the one of the best players to have never played in the World Cup. I'll go George Ware. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know what you thought, but I don't know if thought it was... Uh, that was a good one, Graham. Well done, mate. That was decent. Well done, Graham, and have a good quiz there from you. So thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. Please follow us on our Instagram page, which is The Phoenix 5 Show. Or again, if you want any questions or topics you want covering, then email us at thephoenix5show at gmail.com. And to end this week's show, we're going to leave you with this. Network.